Receive the reward of his suffering. He desires our praise, brothers and sisters. The Bible says it's pleasant. It's calmly to the Lord when we praise him. That is our outward expression of our gratitude, of our thanksgiving in our hearts. Did he wake you up this morning? One person. All right, Linda, he woke you up. Did he get you started on your way today? You know, God did that. Praise God. Do you have food on your tables when you go home today? A few. Amen. Then we need to praise the Lord. Amen. One more time, please. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You're so worthy of our praise. And our wonderful praise group just sang about how we fight our battles. We fight them by giving them to God. And prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. That's what the Bible says. And we also do it by what we're doing right now, praising God. Praise is a great spiritual weapon. Sometimes, you know, you got to put some praise on that prayer. You think about Jonah. He didn't get spit out the whale's mouth until three days after he had been praying. And then you know what he did? Yes, he praised God, the Bible says, and out he came. Praise is a wonderful thing, brothers and sisters. I'm going to read to you from Second Chronicles chapter 20, the story of King Jehoshaphat and the Jewish people. They were being attacked by three different armies. The third verse says that, and Jehoshaphat feared. And then the next verse says, but he called for prayer and fast amongst all the people. Oh, I would love to see. Prayer and fasting being called for in this nation. Amen? Praise God. But let me read to you what it says. After he had prayed, then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah, the son of Jeel, the son of Matanah. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. Isn't that what our praise group just sang? The battle, say that with me, church. The battle is not ours, but it's the Lord's. Praise God. And Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, excuse me. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Koranites stood up, and they praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Then early in the morning, they left the desert of Tekka. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah, and people of Jerusalem. This is meant for us today, too. Have faith in the Lord, your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. And after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing 
to the Lord. Thank you, praise God. And to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out of the head of the army. They were at the head of the army doing this. Praising God. Singing unto God. And they were saying, give thanks to the Lord. For his love endureth forever. Amen. Yes, amen and hallelujah. Let us go before our mighty God. The one we just read about is there for us too. In prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Oh dear Heavenly Father. Oh Lord, you're so good to us. You bless us, dear God, in ways that we don't even imagine. Lord, you woke us up this morning. You touched us with your precious finger of life. We thank you, dear God, for watching over us, for keeping us safe all week from dangers seen and unseen alike. We thank you, Lord. You preserved us from all hurt, harm, and danger. We know if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, Oh, Israel, where would we be, as the psalmist says? Father God, it is you in whom we live. It is you in whom we move. As Paul says, it's in you in whom we have our being. Everything we are of any worth, of any goodness, is from you, dear God. And Lord, we just want to say thank you. Collectively, as a church, as a people, we want to give you homage. We want to lift up the name of Jesus. We want to bless your name. We want to bless the Lord with all our soul. With all that is within us, we bless your holy, holy name. We thank you, dear God, for allowing us all to be here today. For putting it in our hearts to not forsake the assembly of the brethren, but to come together as we are right now, including those who are on the Zoom monitors. They're here with us. We thank you, dear God, you've given us the ability, the technology that we can do this, that we can all come together. But we're stronger when we're together. Amen. Your word says one can chase a thousand, but two can chase ten thousand. So we thank you. One, Father God, is powerful. But two can bind. Two can loose. Thank you for the power you've given us. Lord, we ask that you bless our church. We ask that you bless us into this new week. Order our steps, dear God, according to your word, your will, your good pleasure for our lives. For the life of our church. You know where you're taking us, dear God. You know the mandates and instructions you've given to Pastor Roger. Strengthen him, dear God, and continue to fill him with wisdom and anointing as we follow him. Because we have seen that he does indeed follow Christ. Lord, we love you. We give you honor and glory. Thank you for the honor of being with you today. The honor of being your children. Fill us, dear God, with your Holy Spirit. And Father, please forgive us of any sins we might have committed, both knowingly or unknowingly. We ask your forgiveness. This we humbly submit to you in prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. And church, can we all say amen and amen. You may be seated. ACTC family, I'm Lynn, and here's this week's news. We want to say a big thank you to all those who made our community day a huge success. In just a few weeks, we have another opportunity to reach out to those who live around our Ellesmere campus. Sunday, October 31st, is the date for our trunk retreat from 5 to 8 p.m. The evening will include pumpkin decorating, face painting, games, and candy. We need some of you to get creative and decorate your cars. 
We also need help with staffing the event. We are receiving candy donations at both campuses and can be dropped off during office hours or service times. We love our children and families here at CTC, and our desire is to give kids a fun and safe place to learn about the love of Jesus. We are looking for people who love children to teach during our 9 a.m. service. If you sense a call to this ministry, contact our Director of Children and Families Ministry, April Loper-Brown, at aloper at ctcde.church. We are grateful to God for the lay leadership that he has put in place in our church. We have recently added several members to our Board of Elders, so we want to let you know who they all are. Margaret Alt, Francine Beatty-Stone, Nick DeBueno, Gwen Harris-Montague, Kathy Hudson, Richard Porto, and Darren Waters. We're asking you to keep each of these elders and their families in prayer as God empowers them to lead. For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.church or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the Bear Campus Office at 302-836-2862 or the Ellesmere Campus Office at 302-998-4584. You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.church or if you're worshiping online, you can hit the request prayer button at the bottom of your screen. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. responses every time. (laughs) So good morning to those in person and to those online. I hope your morning has started off great. If not, I hope it gets better today. And I just wanted to say welcome to everyone in the congregation and to all of those online. So if you are new here and you are in the service with us, um, before you leave, once you exit and then turn to the left, you will see the Welcome Center where you will receive a free gift and be greeted by someone from our pastoral staff. And that's also just a great opportunity just to meet people and talk to the community here. And if you are new here and you're online, you can click the New Here button at the top or the um, bubble that most likely just popped up in the chat. And also, what am I forgetting? Oh, Connect Cards. So if you are at your seat or at your chair, you will see the Connect Card that Pastor Roger is holding. So we would love for you to write your name down so we know that you are here and also if you do have a prayer request you can write that too because we're always praying for you and make sure you don't forget to leave it in the basket on your way out and for those of you online you can click oh click the connect here button at the top or again click the button the bubble i call it the bubble the bubble that popped up in the chat so now For us to stay connected with one another, filling out the Connect card, doing it online and whatever. And uh, because we, if, if, if we're not building relationships with one another, we're not, we're not helping each other uh, become and follow Jesus Christ uh, as he wants us to. So that's very important. And uh, also in these envelopes is a place for you to give your offering. And there's a way to give uh, online uh, by clicking those uh, prompts as they, as they come up. We want to practice generosity. God does so much in each of our lives, gives us so many blessings. So giving back is, is a part of our faith experience. 
not just giving of our financial uh, resources, but of our time and our, our abilities, our skills, and the gifts that God has empowered us through His Holy Spirit. We want to give back. And uh, we want to practice generosity. And so we follow ten principles. Each week we look at one of those principles, and I ask you to read that together. And today we get this great big long paragraph uh, to read together. Would you read this uh, with me, please? We give cheerfully. That's it. That's just the whole paragraph. You did a good job. We give cheerfully. But here's a scripture that I'd like us to read together as, uh, that supports this teaching of giving cheerfully. Let's read this. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. I remembered last night in our service as we were doing that. Uh, every time I think of a cheerful giver, I remember a pastor that I knew down at, way down in South Georgia. And every time he introduced the offering or received the offering, he would shout, we love offerings. So he was more than a cheerful giver. He was a cheerful receiver of offerings. Uh, but God does. Whatever we give, let's give it cheerfully. Don't let anybody tell you how much you ought to give, but let it be an act of your faith and do it cheerfully. Let's continue to worship God this morning as we sing together. As the team comes back, I invite you to stand with me as I pray. Let's stand Let's pray and let's sing together. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day, for the work that you are doing in our lives and the work that we do this morning in worshiping you. We do not come here, God, to be spectators. We don't come here to watch the, the praise team sing songs to us. They're here to lead us in actively worshiping you. So we ask you to come and inhabit the praises of your people. Come and be present in our lives in a new way today as we sing your praises, as we listen to you, and as we decide what are you asking us to do today. Come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week we talked a little bit about one of the reasons why we lift our hands in worship, and that is as a child would lift their hands to their father to be picked up. Sometimes... When we're fighting and we get weary, that's the place where we want to be. In the Father's hands. Amen. I've carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your to let it all 
doesn't matter how many times we fall. Lord, you pick us up. You want us to run to you. You want us to come to you. Lord, you want us to lay down our burdens and run into the arms of the Father and rest in the grace and the peace and the mercy that you give us. You said a couple of weeks ago that it doesn't matter how many steps you've taken away from God, the return trip is just one step. Because He is following us. He's pursuing us. He's coming after us. Because just like you would one of your children that has fallen away or run away or left, He wants us to come back. So Lord, we thank you that you've given us the privilege, the opportunity to come to you, to run to you again and again and again. And Lord, we thank you that over and over again, as we see in Scripture, that you fight on our behalf. And as Pastor Vaughn read a few minutes ago, we only need to say, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. It's not a complicated thing. So Lord, we want you to bring victory in our lives. Lord, in so many areas. And so, Lord, we ask you today to help us to see that victory according to your word, according to your spirit, according to your power. Thank you, Lord. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't God, I serve no only how to triumph. Oh, my God will never fail. Oh, my God will never fail. And I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory for the Yeah, baby. 
over and over and over again, and I'm, I'm just going to spend a second on this, but the way God orchestrates things is not always the way we see it logically, the way it should go. So if you're in a situation this morning that you just don't understand, understand this, that God is working, you might not recognize it until you get to the other side. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, for that promise. We thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord, for your mercy, and we thank you for your grace. I'm going to invite April uh, Loper Brown, our uh, director of children's ministry, to join me on the platform here uh, in just a second. Uh, after we pray a prayer, I'm going to pray a prayer uh, for Pastor Roger as he brings a message, and for April and her staff as they minister to our kids. We're going to hear a missions team report from uh, Rebecca Simpson and Bryce Maynard this morning, who just came back from. Dream Center in Los Angeles. So will you join me in prayer today? Father, we thank you for the wonderful things that you do in our presence and in our midst. And we thank you for this church, this fellowship of believers that you've given us to work side by side with. And so we thank you today for April and her staff. And Lord, we pray for her today as as she and her staff minister to our children. We pray, Lord, that your anointing would rest on her. We pray for our missions team, for Bryce and Rebecca as they bring us a report that we would be encouraged and strengthened and and uplifted by uh, what you are doing in the ministry of the Dream Center. And Father, for our pastor, as he brings a message today, God, let your anointing rest on him and our hearts be open to receive from you in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, amen. Parents, if you have children that are going to children's church at this point, they can go with April now. God bless you. You can be seated.
California dancing music is what that is. And so we're here with Bryce and Rebecca, uh, who went with a group of young adults from our area out to the, as Bill said, out to the uh, the Dream Center in Los Angeles, California. And I have asked them, we prayed for them before they before they went, and we're going to pray for them uh, before they leave this morning. But um, but we wanted to give them an opportunity to talk about their experience. So I've asked them two questions. The first one is, um, what experience impacted you the most and why? And the second question uh, is, what are you going to do about it? Or how has it changed you and, and, and what are you going to do differently now? Two important questions as we live out our faith and we have all kinds of experiences. So Rebecca's got the uh, microphone first. So go ahead, Rebecca, and Perfect. share with us. Uh, so, uh, the first question was, what was, I guess, most memorable to me? So, what was most memorable to me, you didn't see on the slides, because just given the situation, we weren't able to take pictures, was Skid Row. If you haven't heard of Skid Row before, basically, it's several blocks, slash, basically kind of like a neighborhood of just homeless people, and they just, again, live in tents that aren't even full tents. They made it themselves, just either blankets or old mattresses. So it's just, again, a whole strip of just homeless people. So I think we went there, I believe, our second day. So we got there, I think it was Wednesday we went there. Um, so it was a little tense during that time among the group just because it was, again, a new experience, a new situation, a new environment we were in. But I didn't want that to get in my way, essentially. Because um, I just, my goal in there was just wanting to, wanting to talk to people. It's funny because actually our leader before we went there, he did say something about um, like don't question how they got there. Don't um, like put that mindset behind you. And in my head, I was like that wasn't my thought anyway, I guess. I guess just, that's just how my brain was working because all I wanted to do was just talk to, talk to people. And I'll get to that in a second. So when we did get there, again, um, our group was kind of tense except for our two leaders. They were um, ta talking to the people, giving them water, giving them food, having full conversations. And I found that amazing. But for me, I had the weird urge just to talk to – I just wanted to talk to someone, too. I didn't want to stand behind and just give water and food and um, pray for them and just leave. I just had the weird urge just to have a conversation. And kind of as we were walking, I was thinking um, – I was kind of thinking back to, I guess, my childhood. I grew up pretty shy. Most people are surprised to hear that. Pastor Vaughn said he was surprised to hear that. But growing up, I was shy. My mom will always tell you I hid behind her. I would always be right behind her. She's probably watching this. She's probably laughing right now. But, <laughs> but I always hid behind her. I was always a quiet child and shy and kept to myself. Um, but growing up, the one time I did talk to people was if they were, I saw they were by themselves or if they're like an outcast or if they're lonely. That was the only time I ever had the urge to talk to someone. Um, so I was thinking of that as I was walking, and then I just prayed to God. I was like, could you bring someone for me to just talk to? I just want to have a conversation with them, not for myself, but more just for them, because everyone, sometimes, again, everyone needs a friend, or they just need someone to talk to. And then someone rode by with their bike, and I just noticed her on the side of my eye, and then I just had the urge to turn around, and I saw she was staring at us. Um, so she saw the wagon of food and water, and no one else saw, but I went up to her, and I said, would you like a drink and food? And she said, sure. And then um, I just asked how she was, um, how she was doing. She said she came to see friends because she has friends that live in Skid Row, and she still comes to see them and take care of them and just watch over them. 
And we just had a long conversation. It was a while because I felt like I was so in the zone and kind of everyone left except for um, our one friend. He was still um, with me just because so, we're supposed to stay in groups. But I didn't notice everyone else left. And it was just a really great conversation. And at the end, I did pray for her. Um, and then we left, we left it at that. But that was just the most impactful because one thing it taught me that I learned on the trip is that I'm more relational than I think I am which I didn't realize. I should have realized that because I did mention this last night. Usually I'm called the HR person of our young adult group. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess. But And then also I'm a teacher, so I felt like it should have clicked. But I just learned that I'm more relational than I think. And I know I can use that um, in my everyday life just to spread the gospel, just my always my urge of just making people comfortable and wanting to reach out to them and to teach them. So that's definitely, again, the combination of both the questions. That's something that impacted me during the trip. Um, and then something I learned that I'm going to use in my everyday yes. life now. And right. I have an opportunity to also teach people about service soon. So that's exciting. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you. Good work. Good work. And uh, just, you know, the, these kinds of experiences are so important for us to... Uh, obviously, it takes us out of our comfort zone, but being taken out of our comfort zone, we, we, we become more reliant on Christ's presence with us. And so your prayer, Lord, this is an opportunity that you've given me to engage people that I don't know, people who are strangers. And even though that might not be my, my, my default skill set to just go up and start conversations, show me, Lord, who you want me to talk to. And the Lord opens up those doors. And that is so important for all of us to, to, to do and those kinds of prayers and to follow through on that. So thank you, Rebecca, for that. Bryce, what you got? Uh, so another part of the trip that we couldn't take pictures was the uh, jail ministry that we did out in L.A. Um, we went to the men's county jail, and they were all in solitary confinement. When we got there, we loaded up carts of religious literature, um, including Bibles but other literature as well. And um, so we went, we, we were all split up to different chaplains. And um, this experience, you know, I've never been in the jail before to, for anything. And um, it was, so it was, I was more nervous because I've never been in that environment and never really saw for myself how they lived in there. And, um, when we opened the cell block door to go into where the inmates live, um, a burning sensation hit me as soon as the door opened because um, I turned to my chaplain and I said, do you smell something burning? And he said, yeah, they smoke the pages out of the Bibles that we give them. So it was, that was shocking to me because I was just like, they're not even reading it. They're just more worried about getting a high and using something to do that instead of reading what's actually in the Bible. Um, another experience I had with an inmate was that, um, or two inmates, I'm sorry, two inmates that I had experience with, they said they fellowship together, and their, their cells are right next to each other, and that really spoke to me because it's just, they don't care what other people think about them fellowshipping together. They don't care what other people are, you know, say to them or, you know, do to them in, in the jail. They just, they share their faith with Jesus with each other, and um, on the way out of that cell block, we saw them working out together. It, they were in their own cells, but they were working out together. So it was just awesome to see two inmates making, trying to make the best of their situation by fellowshipping together and working out together with each other. 
Um, another inmate I had an encounter with, with my chaplain, he uh, basically said that he thinks that Jesus put him in there, that God put him in there because he was trying to get his attention. So he took everything away from him and put him in there, and it just put him and the Bible in there, in the cell with him. So that really spoke to me. It's like, wow, it's like Jesus does that sometimes. He'll take everything away from us and just give us the Bible just to get our attention. Um, Another group member that I had uh, of our group had an experience with an inmate where they said that they were content with where they're at. They were content that they were in jail in their situation because they said that God has their back, so they're they're not afraid. And that spoke to me because it's just like how often, you know, it made me question how often do I, do I like get non-content with where I'm at in my life? You know, it's like, you ever ask that question, why do I, why am I stuck where I am? Or why am I not content? So it's kind of like he had nothing and he was content with where he was. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the most, so those were the most meaningful experiences in the jail that I, um, I experienced. And... You know, for, to answer the second question, we went to a church service at Angelus Temple, um, which is the church that the Dream Center is um, started. And we heard a message from Sean Nepstad, who's an author of a book, Don't Quit in a Dip. And he spoke, it was a really powerful message. It really spoke to a lot, um, to a lot of what the country is going through right now. And, you know, the, he, he basically said the whole country is in a dip right now. And a lot of people quit in that valley where, or he called it the dip. It's really essentially a valley, but a lot of people quit there instead of when they go up the incline and it gets too hard, they just quit. They give up. So they don't keep going and they don't realize that God is still there. And he basically called out the church and said, we need to, we need to let people know that we are, the church is there because if the church isn't there and they feel like, you know, it isn't there, they're just going to give up. And then every, everybody's lost. So, you know, I think it gave me a refreshing view because I feel like sometimes with our young adults group, we get into a routine and we get into a rut. And sometimes those ruts have dips and they have to, you have to get out of them in order to get an, a different perspective of things. And I think this trip gave me a different perspective of our group. Nice. Nice. Excellent. Thank you, guys. We're so glad you had the opportunity to go. And uh, let's take a moment and ask God to continue to bless Uh, Rebecca and Bryce and the work that they were able to do. Let's pray together. And if you want to reach out your hands like this uh, as if placing a blessing, uh, laying your hands on Rebecca and Bryce, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the opportunities that you give us. You command us to go into all the world and make disciples in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you have called Rebecca and Bryce to take this experience and to use their lives and You used it not only to spread good news and your grace to others, but also to equip Rebecca and Bryce uh, for their lives. Thank you for the lessons that they learned. Thank you for the change that you're bringing in them. And we ask you, God, to help us also to be willing to go wherever you ask us to go and wherever we are, that we might ask ourselves the question, Lord, who do you want us to talk to today? How do you want us to express your grace to others? Let that be a frequent prayer on our lips. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. God bless.
In part one of this series, we learned about the character of Jesus. Now that we know who he is, we can talk about what it's like to live for him. Even though the Christian life has its victories and rewards, we cannot expect it to be without struggles, sufferings, confrontations, sacrifices, trials. But in all these things, Jesus is there, equipping us and bringing us hope. If we give him the chance, even though he asks us to give up everything, he will prove that every step of the journey is worth it. Mark my words. So we're completing our uh, series today, Mark My Words, walking through the book of Mark chapter by chapter. And just just for, for review's sake, you remember the, the first half of the book of Mark, we were asking the question, who is Jesus? And in each chapter, we were getting an answer to that question. We got to chapter 9, and we see that God is the one who answers that question to all the people who were hearing him. And God declared, this is my son with whom I am pleased. Listen to him. We got, we, we got to chapter 9, and that's how we answered the question, who is Jesus? And then we changed the question for the rest of the book of Mark. What is life with Jesus like? And so through each chapter, we've been hearing answers about what is life with Jesus like. So today we get to the last chapter of the book of Mark, and, and the word that we're pulling out for, to answer the question is victory. Life with Jesus is a victorious life. We're going to talk about that this morning. Since the beginning of humanity, human beings, every one of us, have turned away from God. From God who created us because God is love. So it's out of love that God created us, just like any builder, any musician, any artist, any person who uses their God-given creativity. We're created in the image of God. God is a creative God. Therefore, we are creative people. God created us because love always expresses itself outward. That's, 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 that's who God is. That's what God does. Out of love, all things are created. Even people who do not believe that there is a God, experience the reality of what I've just said, that love is expressive. Love desires to be expressed. Love is always creative. And you were born, your life exists because this truth is real. Even if your life was conceived by evil intent, your life was still begun in the same way as that of a child whose life was conceived in love. Because that's just the way God created natural things. Also, since the beginning of humanity, we have each taken the life that God has created and given to us, expressed to us through His love, and we have misused it. We have turned from God. We have abused the life that God has given to us. We have failed to follow the way that God wants us to live. We call it sin. That's the biblical ancient word for it. 
And we have sinned means simply to miss the mark. You think of an archer shooting an arrow. They miss the mark. That's sin. Your life has a trajectory. Your life has a purpose created by God to live out a specific purpose. And our task in life is to discover what that purpose is. But when we miss that purpose for which we were created, it's sin. Those of us who play an instrument. If I, 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 I've learned how to play a couple instruments. First one was the piano. And then I saw somebody who I thought was cool play the trombone. And because a cool guy from sixth, a school sixth grader when I was in fourth grade, <laughs> because he played the trombone, I thought, that's awesome. I learned how to play the trombone. But, I can't, but a trombone and a piano sound nothing alike. And I can't take the music that, I, that is needed to show me how to play a song on the piano. I can't take that and play the same thing on the trombone and vice versa. So a piano that was created for, for one purpose can't be used for another purpose. It misses the mark. If I try to p- play a piano piece with my trombone... I'm going to miss the mark. Your life was created by God with a specific purpose. And when we don't live in that purpose, we miss the mark. And that's sin. And a correction is necessary, therefore, because the consequences of missing the mark for life is eternal death. It's death. It's an everlasting separation from God. It's a great divorce, a great chasm that will never allow us again to experience the love of God for which and out of which you were created. And that correction of sin comes again through, just as we were created in God's love, the only correction for our sin is from God Himself who loves us. And in our wayward lives, the life that ignores God, it is a life that floats endlessly and aimlessly in a never-ending sea. And without the correction that God brings to us, we're like a massive yacht, beautiful yacht, created by the builder, designed by somebody, your life was created and designed. It's beautiful, meant for a particular purpose. But without that life that comes from God, that correction that God gives to us, we're like a yacht that is floating endlessly and meaninglessly in, an never, in a never-ending ocean. No place to go. And without the correction that God brings, we're like that yacht that eventually runs out of fuel and runs out of all navigational tactics. And it seeks to find its way by looking at itself. This is what we do when we're not following God. Because we seek to find our lives by looking into ourselves, by thinking for ourselves, by making our own way. And we're orienting our life only by our own self-reference. 
But any navigator knows whether you're at sea or on land, if you're going to make your way through, you have to have a point of reference beyond yourself. If I just wander through the woods saying, well, I'm going to go this way, I'm going to go this way, I'm going to go this way, but I have no point of reference outside of that forest, if I have no point of reference beyond that ocean, I'm not going to get out of the ocean. And that's what sin does for us. And that that yacht on that ocean will only spin and bob in the water going nowhere. The worst part about it is that in our sinfulness, we're bobbing about on that boat completely unaware of the endless and meaningless days of eternity that await ahead. Life is meaningless without the correction that God, who is outside of us, comes into us. And the consequence of sin is eternal death. We need a correction that comes from outside ourselves and points us to a place that is filled with purpose and meaning that is beyond ourselves, beyond our own short-sighted vision for our own life. And God is the only one who can give that to us. That is why Jesus came. Because God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son to take on the life of a human being, Jesus. So that, in order that, whoever believes in Jesus will never die but live forever. Jesus came into this world not to sink that yacht. (laughs) He didn't come into this world to blast a hole in your yacht because the, the life that you're living without orientation to Jesus is worthless and meaningless, and so you might as well go to go to the bottom of the ocean and sit there for eternity. Jesus did not come for that purpose. He came to give you a point of reference in your life so that you know where to go and how to get there. He came to save you from that endless bobbing and wandering about. I read a book a few years ago. can't remember the title of it, but it described hell as this place of endless searching and wandering. And the people who were in hell were basically searching and wandering for those desires that they had in life. Whether it was work, alcohol, money, sex, whatever it was, power, fame. They just kept searching for it. And and never being satisfied. And in this particular book, those people who, who were in hell, they could see heaven on the other side. But they couldn't get there. That's hell. Never being satisfied with the purpose that only comes from God in our lives. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son in order that whoever believes in Him will never die but live forever. Jesus came into this world not to sink your boat, not to condemn the world, the Bible says, but to save it. Victory comes 
from a life lived with Jesus. He is our guiding star. That's a biblical term for who Jesus is. He is our compass point, our reference. He is the giver. Let's read Mark chapter 16 to see what Jesus did so that he is, he is the one through whom we get the victory. In Mark chapter 16, I've said, victory comes from your, li- your life lived with Jesus. Mark 16, we read in, in chapter uh, 16, verses 1 through 8. And this is after Jesus had been crucified. He had died. This person that God sent God Himself, taking on flesh, living a full human life, was crucified for your sins. In order that your sins can be forgiven. And and the people who followed Jesus, the people who trusted Him, watched Him die. And it says in verse 1, Saturday evening when the Sabbath day had ended, Mary Magdalene, one of the followers of Jesus, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, they went out to purchase burial spices so that they could anoint Jesus' decaying and stinking body. That's what death does. And very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb looking for his body. And on the way there, they were asking each other, there's this massive stone blocking the tomb. Who will roll the stone away for us? And when they reached the tomb, they saw, well, they saw that it had already been rolled away. Verse 5 says, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. Not the wrong side, but the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said to them, do not be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. Very specific. You're looking for the man from this town who you watched die. He's not here. (laughs) He has risen from the dead. He is alive. You are not going to find Jesus among the dead. And those who are looking, those who are looking for hope, those who are looking for purpose in their lives among places where Jesus is not, are never going to find him. You have to look someplace else for Jesus. He is alive. He says, look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. It didn't make sense. They didn't understand it. Life with Jesus means that we will again have life. Our sins, my sins, all of them, your sins are forgiven. And we don't have to wait. I think this is the greatest part of this good news. We don't have to wait until we die. I don't have to wait until I die to discover what that new life in Christ is like. Let me say that again. I don't have to die 
in this world to discover what that new life in Christ is like. The moment I say, Jesus, I trust you to forgive my sins, my new life begins here, now, and will last forever. Thank you, Jesus. That's the good news. What does that victorious life here now look like? Make a list. Those of you who experience it here and now, that's your story. That's how Jesus changes your life. And if you can't make a list of the ways that Jesus has changed your life and given you forgiveness of sins, released you from the, the bondage of the consequences of sin and death, then are you really saved? Are you really trusting in Jesus? Make a list. Make your own list. This is your story. But let's consider some stories of others. Testimonies of those who have trusted Jesus. One of them, written by a man named Eugene Bartlett. You've heard this one. We sing it in an old, old song. And these are the words. He was 53 years old when he suffered a stroke. And as he suffered that stroke and lived in the consequences of the chains of an illness, he still found faith in Jesus Christ to free him. He was a songwriter. He was a poet. He was published. He had a lucrative career in that way. But after he had his, spoke, his, his stroke, he could no longer speak, and he was partially paralyzed. But God gave him these words that he, as he reflected on what it means to live the victorious life in Jesus. And this is what he wrote. He said, I heard an old, old story. <laughs> How a Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary in order to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning on the cross. I heard about his precious bloods atoning. His blood poured out on the cross atones, makes right my relationship with God. And I repented of my sins. And I won the victory. If you know this, sing it with me. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with His redeeming blood. He loved me power revealing and I heard about the walk again and caused the blind to see and then I cried dear Jesus come and heal my broken spirit and some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory My Savior forever, He sought 
heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory. And I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea, about the angels singing and the old redemption story. And some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. so meaningful to those of us who, who grew up singing that song. <laughs> and I know we don't often sing those kinds of songs at Christ the Cornerstone because, because we seek here, we seek to use music and words that communicates the gospel to people who do not know it. And that's important for us here at Christ the Cornerstone. And I know that I do this deliberately. I ask us who are mature in our faith to let go of those things and take up things that will help us communicate the gospel to people who do not know him today. And I know that those tunes and those songs can do that, but so can the new songs that we sing. We sang about it just a few minutes ago earlier before the message about coming to the Father again and again and again and again. God is our heavenly Father through whom we have the victory in Jesus I want to read Romans chapter 6, verse 4, which brings this all together. And it says, chapter, Romans chapter 6, verse 4 says, For we died and we were buried with Christ by our baptism. That's why we have a baptismal pool in the back or in our mall area in our entrance. And I remember once, a couple of years ago, we were baptizing a 13-year-old. As his faith was being confirmed by the church, and he was declaring for himself, this is my faith. There was a young man, Pastor Daniel, and I were there, and we, we pushed him down in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. He didn't want to go all the way under. I don't know he didn't want it to go up his nose or whatever, but we got his shoulders down, but he kept his face just out of the water, and he popped back up out of the water, and Daniel and I both together. We didn't look at each other. We just kept looking at him. Both Daniel and I said at the same time, oh no, you're not getting up that easy. And we both shoved him right back under the water. Make sure. It, it is important. I know many of us have, have had our children baptized in the United Methodist Church. We call it a baptism. We just name it. Because it's a, it's a spiritual work that God is doing in a person's life. 
And sometimes people are baptized with just a sprinkling of water. It is a sign of being cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. The water isn't magic. And Jesus never intended for that water to be magic. It's just a sign that points us to a a deeper reality. And it's a reality that says just as we cannot live underwater, God created us with lungs that require the amount of oxygen that we can get only by breathing air. Fish get enough oxygen out of the water through their gills. God made them that way. They can survive in the water. But we human beings cannot. So plunging underneath the water is a sign that we have died to ourselves. But coming up out of the water is our beautiful sign that Christ was raised from the dead and gives to us also that new life. And that's what he's saying here in Romans 6, verse 4. For we died and were buried with Christ in our baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father... Now we also may live new lives. Are you living that new life now, daily? The victorious life is a life lived with Jesus. Every day, life wants to plunge us beneath that water. We can't breathe. We've got to die to ourselves and trust Jesus to give us New life, new breath, every day, every moment. We've got to live with Christ. Both Rebecca and Bryce witnessed to that. Those who they met in Los Angeles, in prison, experiencing the contentment while they live out the consequences of their sinfulness here on earth. They know they have new life in Christ Jesus. Every month I receive a letter from uh, an inmate from the Delaware State Prison in Smyrna. Every month I receive a letter from a man in that prison. And he writes a letter to me and he always includes a gift of money to the church. Because it is important to him to live out his faith while he's in prison to support the church that prays and supports Him. That's you. And He is content. Not always happy. It's not always easy. But He knows where His life comes from. Jesus. And I always write a letter back to Him. I used to write these little cards. Some of you get cards from me. And this time... When I wrote him back this last month, I had so much that I wanted to share with him that I had to put it on a full sheet of paper. I said, lucky you, you're not getting just a card. (laughs) God's good to us. Jesus is good to us. He has new life. He has victory for us. But it only comes through our trust and our faith and dying to ourselves and being raised with Christ because He lives the victorious life. I want to put a plug for our divorce care ministry because this is all about relationship. And divorce is a, is a, is a death. 
Nobody gets married thinking or intending to get divorced. But we know that those relationships fail. And in our world today, there are fewer and fewer people who are legally getting married. And instead of getting married, they're living together for years and years and years. And even those couples that buy a house together, though they're not married, or they have children together, though they're not married, they are in a, they are in a very risky and dangerous position in our nation because of the laws of our nation. It is dangerous to live together without being married. You're, it's very risky. You can lose a lot. You can hurt a lot. And, and, and when those relationships break up, and most of them do, far more relationships, cohabiting relationships break up than relationships that are bound in, in the legal act of marriage. So if you're in that situation, I encourage you, do what Scripture teaches us today. Make that commitment to one another and make it known to others. But if that relationship fails, whether you're married or whether you're just cohabiting together, when that separates, it is a divorce. And one of the risky things about cohabiting and then breaking up is that everybody else thinks that's not a divorce because you were never married. But you are all alone in experiencing the emotions of breaking up. And nobody's with you because everybody else thinks that you're not divorced because you were never married. But you still need help. So we have this ministry called Divorce Care Ministry that is helping people move through the reality of the struggles of divorce. And it's a good ministry. So if you're interested in that, contact us and we'll show you how to get connected with the leader of the Divorce Care Ministry. Victory comes from life lived with Jesus. And that's our invitation today. To give ourselves to Christ. To live the victorious life. So as we come and we, as the singers come and, and we sing, this place is open for prayer. It's lived with Christ. got to give yourself to Christ daily and live with him. Ask Jesus to show you the way daily. He will. So let's pray together. If you want to come here and pray by yourself at the platform area, you're welcome to do that. If you're praying online, pray by yourself or you can, you can ask someone to pray with you online. If you want somebody to pray with you here, you can come to one of the prayer stations. Let's pray together as we give ourselves once again, come back to the Father. Again and again and again. Let's pray as we say. Raised to life. That's a key phrase that I want us to dwell on here for the next few minutes as we go to the Lord in prayer. Would you stand as we as we worship and as Raised to life, not just saved with some kind of fire insurance policy to be sure that we don't spend eternity away from God. That is that is part of it, but He's brought us to a place where He wants us to have life. The chains that have bound us, He wants them to be loosed. He wants us to be set free. Thank you, Lord. Amazing. 
today with the shame of what we've done and be allowed to be raised to life, that the chains would be loosed and that we would be set free, and that we would walk in newness of life. Father, we pray that that Spirit of God that raised you from the dead, raised your Son from the dead, Lord, would strengthen us as we leave from this place today. Raise us to life, not just to existence, but to life, to living, to being who you want us to be. Lord, we thank you for the ways that we've been challenged throughout this series to understand who you are first and 
then to understand what it's like to live with you. And what it's like for you to live with us and to lead us and to guide us. And so, Lord, we thank you for the victories, big and small, those we know about and those we don't. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who died and rose again for us. It's in that name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We hope you have a great day.